Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is financial advisor Jody Lynn Craven. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And today is a day where we're practicing what we preach, staying in a happy zone regardless of what happens. Uh, because we had a, a bit of a surprise just before we went live, we learned that our guest had canceled. And not only had he canceled, but he had been scheduled to be on the show in early August and had canceled at the last minute then. So this kind of falls into the category of fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Except I don't believe in shame. So he's just gone. He's not getting a third chance. There's no three strikes you're out. This is two strikes you're out. So to, we won't name him, but to initial CH, bye-bye. <laughs> yep. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and, and I left his reason he, because, uh, you know, with the software that we use, that they, they give a reason. There's a, a place where they can enter what the reason is why they have to ask for a schedule change at the last second. Um, his reason was tech issues. And I loved your comment before we got started. What, he couldn't figure that out two hours ago? <laughs> well, I, for, for me, I'm very... Um, like, I want to make sure I have all my ducks in a row before I go into anything, you know, an event, a podcast, a whatever, you know, like I want to make sure if I'm presenting something or I'm having a conversation that all the things are set up. So if, if I haven't used tech yet today, um, I, I would hours before I had to, to make sure everything was sorted. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, my dad's but that's a, what makes you a, such a special human being. Thank you. Care you. enough to do that. Thank you. Well, yeah. and combined honestly, like my dad is a, a professional announcer for the Chuck Wagon and Chariots. So, ah. you know, that whole event of like getting ready and, you know, checking all of the sound equipment and the tech, like all of the stuff that was going on, me and my dad and, and my brother, usually we would go either the night before the races started so that we could, you know, put everything up, the speakers, all of that stuff, or at least several hours before my dad would be in the announcer's booth an hour before showtime. Mm. And, and with everything already set up, just standing there waiting, drinking his coffee or his hot water or whatever it was, just right, waiting right. for the show to start. So he was prepared. So, so I learned that from him. And when I started yeah. racing horses, I would I would have only two horses to actually get ready. And it would take literally 10 minutes. It's not it's not a very long process. But I would take an hour to do it to make sure that all the buckles are, you know, taped off and everything's good because anything can happen in those moments. So you might as well be prepared. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that about you, that you would do that kind of preparation. Um, and, and it's kind of a shame. This this guy is an interesting guy. I mean, he he has turned two businesses into seven figure businesses. He wow. uh, is an expert salesman. He has completely rewritten the book on how you do sales. He's into jujitsu. Um, he's into mental health. He's got all these really cool stuff going on. But then there's the part of him where he doesn't show up for the gig twice in a row. And it, you know that that just kind of takes away from it. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes you say, well, yeah, all that's great. But if you don't have the integrity to keep your promise, what's the good of it all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I think uh, some people use superficial excuses mm. and instead of telling the truth, whatever yeah. that truth might be. And I'm not saying that that's him. 
But I know that I have said, I Mm -hmm. I got into a really bad pattern of saying, I don't feel well to get out of going to do things, like having Mm -hmm. an excuse. I, in my brain, I thought I had to justify why I didn't want to hang out with somebody. Yeah, I think most people feel that, sure. 100%. And for me, I am pretty introverted. I love having these kinds of conversations and talking to people. And, you know, I could have lots of conversations like, this throughout a day and then i get to a point where i need solitude and Mm -hmm. and my husband can be there but he knows to kind of leave me alone Mm -hmm. i need to decompress i need to be alone you know and not having to entertain or show up in any way that somebody else thinks i should be showing up or pressure that i've put on myself of how i should be showing up but i went through this cycle of saying oh i don't feel good and that's why i'm not coming to different things instead of saying, you know what? It's just not the right time for me. I can't make it. I don't need to justify myself as to why I'm not coming. Um, or, you know, I giving a response of like, I just really need some time alone and being honest and vulnerable about that. But what that did for me in saying, you know, I'm not feeling good is I created that into my reality where I started getting sick over and over and over and over again. Every time I needed a break, I would end up being sick and being forced to take a break. So I had to reroute that pattern and you know gain the courage to say i can't i need to be alone i need to i need some time how interesting when you gain that courage what you also gained was integrity not that you didn't have integrity before but you increased your level of integrity yeah because when we're honest with ourselves enough that we can also be honest with others that's integrity that takes integrity to do that Mm -hmm. it's the people who lack integrity that have trouble doing that on a regular basis and when you mm-hmm. can gain that skill, that's that's like you just got an integrity injection. 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I always felt like I had to justify it and giving my, myself the permission to not have to justify it. Like, mm-hmm. I need some time alone. There's yeah. no justification. I don't want to do that. I, I don't have to justify myself. <laughs> no. I just don't want to, you know? Yeah. Um, exactly. But it took, it took a lot of reprogramming to get to that point to stand up for myself and say, no. And similarly, I was the person who, for a long time, you know, if if he canceled twice, I'd give him the third chance or the fourth chance, Mm -hmm. because that's what you, that's the nice thing to do. Until I realized all I was doing was setting myself up. Yeah, I want to be polite, right. But I was just setting myself up Mm -hmm. because of the vibration that's attached to it. By accepting that, okay, the universe says, we'll give you some more of it. Yeah. You got to learn your lesson. (laughs) when, When I finally realized that, it was like, oh. That's what I'm doing. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> it gave me the creeps when I thought about it that way. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I think the, the ultimate takeaway here is, yeah, he couldn't do the show today, but that's probably a silver lining. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a bad thing. It's probably a good thing. There's something else that's coming out of this that I didn't expect, that you didn't expect, that we may not even know of and be aware of yet. But mm-hmm. there is something there. And we may never even find out what it is. That, that's something you have to kind of come to grips with. Sometimes you don't find out what it is. It, it's like what, what my wife likes to tell me about. You know, we, we um, run into traffic or something. And we're trying to get somewhere. And the traffic is holding us up. And she says, yeah, but you don't really know why the universe is holding us up. It may be trying to prevent us from getting into a traffic accident. Or it may be trying to prevent us from having something worse happen down the line. You don't know what's going on with all of that. Mm-hmm. 
So you have it's to kind true. of be willing to accept that and say, you know, mm-hmm. this may actually be working out well in it. I, I'm just not aware of it yet. Mm-hmm. And that's a muscle, like a faith muscle that mm. you need to build Yeah. because we get so stuck in what we think should happen and the way it should happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be like this and that's the perfect way and that's the only way. And then when it doesn't happen like that, we get frustrated and angry and have all of these emotions. But really taking that step back and saying, for me, I look at all the times where I do know that it worked out exactly the way that it was supposed to worked out for the better, where I have Mm -hmm. that confirmation, like this really sucked in the moment. But now that I'm, you know, I have hindsight on it. I'm, you know, far away from that problem and being in that moment, I can see, oh, that led me to here, which led me to here. And wow, what a beautiful journey that was. And it had to happen that way. Um, that that's a skill actually uh, the, i think of it this way it's a skill of letting it play out mm-hmm. because my and you tell me if this is similar for you my tendency over the years has been if i don't see it playing out the way i want to i need to step in i need to intervene and get it going in the right direction mm-hmm. and usually that works out poorly not all yes. the time. sometimes it works out well but most of the time it works out poorly mm-hmm. whereas if i just step back and let it play out very often, it doesn't play out the way I expected it to. I would even say a majority of the time, it plays out in ways that I don't expect. And it often gets to the result I was hoping for in the first place, just kind of through the back door. Mm-hmm. You know, something I could never have planned. You know, it, it's like, if, like you said, you, if you were drawing a line from A to B, you wouldn't try to draw it through C, D, X, and J to get there. But that's the way you end up going. Yes. That's the way it plays out, right? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I used to be super, I don't know, I'm going to use the word anal. So if it wasn't going according to my plan, I would try and use force, mm-hmm. you know, five foot one, 135 pounds, all of me. <laughs> like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to force it to be the way that I want it to be. And it, energetically, that's poor stance to take because mm-hmm. Energetically, in those moments, I was frustrated. I yeah. was angry. I was, you know, I wasn't believing. I wasn't having faith. There was nothing good or high vibe about those energies that I was putting into it. I was trying to force, you know, a round peg into a square hole. And when I learned to step back and take a breath and say, okay, it's happening the way it's supposed to. And allow the things that needed to come through first to come through. That's when I saw magic happen. So it's that constant reminder when you're in that pattern of just take a step, like take a breath, take a step back out, try and see a new perspective and see how this is actually a good thing rather than a bad thing. A bad thing, quote unquote. (laughs) Quote unquote, right. And that is a challenge. It can be a big challenge at times. And I'll give you an example that happened today that Mm -hmm. shows just how much of a challenge that is. Um, now, as most people know, I run my wife's gardening service and maintenance business. Last week uh, was Labor Day weekend. It was uh, the Monday of Labor Day. And Tuesday, we had rain here. So we had three out of five work days available to us, and we were short-staffed. So we ended up working a very short week in terms of the number of billable hours. Mm-hmm. It was such a short week that there really wasn't enough to pay Louise and me what we normally pay ourselves. And yeah. I woke up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, like bolt up, you know, just sat up, no time to even be aware that I'm awake. It's like, bang, I'm awake. Oh my God, there's not going to be enough money to cover all this. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I got up, went to the computer, calculated everything out, realized there was a solution to it, figured out what the solution was. I won't go into all the details, but there was a way to deal with it. Basically took a little bit of a pay cut for the week, you know, things like that. But I noticed just how badly I had reacted to it. I had reacted in panic. Yeah. Absolute panic. And it was like, no, two o'clock in the morning, right? So there was nothing terrible happening at two o'clock in the morning. At that point, no, it's even awake. It's the cat in. I mean, that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I took the time to do some mirror work and to do some journaling and just do some of the things that I know to do to change my mindset because I recognized my mindset was not in a good place. It was in a very, very uncomfortable place. I didn't want to keep it there. I've been wrestling particularly with this kind of issue over the last few weeks because the last few weeks of the season have been great. Um, Just dealing with this kind of stuff. And I knew I needed to change the mindset to a better place. So I just, I spent like an hour doing this stuff, a little meditation, journaling, mirror work and so forth. And by the time I was done, I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling you know, like I could go back to sleep. So I went to bed, fell right to sleep, woke up uh, my normal time and remembered what had happened, but I wasn't haunted by what had happened. So mm. the work that I did in the middle of the night paid off. Cause remember yeah. the first time I woke up in a cold sweat, yeah. The second time I woke up and I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't all sunshine and roses, but it wasn't a cold sweat either. Yeah. You had shifted that much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that as much as I wanted to shift? No, no, I wanted to shift more, but I was glad I shifted that much. That was mm-hmm. a big shift. Yeah. And it got my day off to the right start. Mm-hmm. We put so much pressure on ourselves too of, mm-hmm. of, you know, what, it has to be, you know, like it's not as much as I wanted it to be. Yeah. And it's almost like there's a, there's a fear of loss. But, um, the way that I've started looking at that is that, you know, even just easing off of it creates room for, or opportunity for a new possibility to emerge. So even going from cold sweat to, you know, neutrality, let's say you're at neutral, you were no longer bothered by it or haunted by it. As you said, you were just neutral. You weren't excited, but just neutral. That is a huge thing. And the opportunity uh, for possibilities to come in, there's, there's a huge amount there. Um, so don't discount all of those things, even if you're not exactly where you need to be. That's I need to remind myself of that all the time because there's this perception of I need to be here or else this, this and this won't happen, which is not necessarily true. Now you're trying to force it again, right? We come back to the force, right? Yeah, I, I, I like to set a high goal for myself. Mm-hmm. But like you say, I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't reach it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I would have loved to have been high vibe this morning. I was actually high vibe last night for a short time. Then I went to bed. I didn't wake up high vibe, but that was okay. Could have so much yeah. better than where I was at, you know, an hour before I got up. You know, yeah. it was just not, I was in a really miserable place then. So it was a major improvement. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't stop me from aiming for high vibe. I still try to go there. I can't always get there. I don't yeah. worry if I don't get there. Sometimes I get a little frustrated, but I try to let go of that too. But the main yeah. thing is just by having that, high, I, I like the, the aim high concept. Because if yeah. I aim high and I hit somewhere down below, it's still higher than where I was aiming at previously. Yeah, shoot for the barn or shoot for the stars, and you'll you'll hit the barn at least. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or shoot for the high part of the target, and you'll hit the bullseye. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's the same concept, really. Yeah. Exactly. 
And one of these days you may actually hit the high part of the target and hit, you know, the triple 20 or something. But mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. I find when I'm in those moments of being taken down like a scarcity cycle or wake up in a cold sweat or, or something like that happens to me, for me, I need to see the worst case scenario. Hmm. And I need to play it out in my mind. And I talk about this with my students all the time because it's the, the fear that we're not addressing that like lingers in the background or underneath the bed, if you will, in the closet, the monster <laughs> that's there that you're like, Oh God, it's going to get me. Um, but you got to face it. You got to look at it. So it, when I've had those moments, I will sit down and say, what are you afraid of? Like, what, what are you really afraid of? Okay. Well, I'm not going to be able to pay myself enough. I'm not, not going to have enough money. And it's like, okay. And then what, then what's going to happen? And it was those fears that I got to asking that question, then what, then what, then what, that I could see it was my brain in overdrive going into that protective mechanism, like the tiger is chasing you, that flight or flight, flight or fight response, but there was no tiger, that this is a non-issue, you know, I've figured out a solution or there is a solution that will be presented or even if I didn't have all of the money, okay, I guess I'm going to get an NSF fee for that. <laughs> all right, is that the worst thing in the world? Like, am I going to die? No. <laughs> okay, I can live with that. And then my system would calm down and I could go back to sleep or I could move and shift the way that, that you did so beautifully that night. And, and actually the journaling, when I was journaling, I, I mean, I don't know how other people journal. I know how I do it. I just write down whatever is coming to me. I just, you know, yep. I don't try to analyze it. I just try to get it out. And that's where my journaling was taking me. It was, I wasn't consciously thinking, and then what? I wasn't playing that game mentally, but that's essentially what I was writing. Yeah. Here's what happens afterward. Here's what happens when, you know, there's not enough money to pay the bills and so forth. And as soon as I started doing that, all of a sudden I started journaling the solutions. They yeah. just kind of came out. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to plan it. I didn't have to work it. I just kind of, there it is. Just mm -hmm. slotted out on the paper. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Well, on the uh, virtual paper, because I was doing it on my computer. But... That's right. I had a student just reach out to me just recently. She wanted to share some money magic. She had taken my more program um, oh. last year. And um, so she always reaches out to me and tell me all sorts of money magic things. And she said, nice. you know, I'm learning. I'm still continuing to deepen my practice with letting go of the fear of not having enough and, and mm. using the principles that you taught me. And she said, you know, the more that I step back and the less that I worry about it, the more money comes in. And she said, I had a, a, something wrong with my car and I had to get it fixed and I wasn't really sure how much it was going to cost. And I kind of started to go down the worry path and was like, nope. I'm just going to have faith. I know the money will come. I'm not sure where, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to book the appointment for, you know, a week from now and the solution will present itself. And then she just let it go. And then over the weekend or over the course of the week, she went on a, a company retreat and they gave her, I think, $150 a day for food. Mm -hmm. And the entire time that she was gone, she spent 160 so she walked away with an extra nine hundred dollars, nice. and her car repair was less than that. So Beautiful. Yeah. There was and, the money. And, she didn't even imagine that that could be a possibility, right? Right. Well, yeah. How do you anticipate that? 
I mean, it's not like most of us can can map out. Oh, this thing is going to happen to me at just the right time for this other thing to happen. He, yeah. I mean, a Hollywood director can't write that one. No. It's not possible. No, <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, I, and that's actually what played out here because part of the the reason I was sweating it was I knew we had some money that was owed to us, and uh, one in particular was was a customer we had we had finished their yard a couple weeks ago and hadn't gotten the check and it was like a twenty five hundred dollar check. Well, that would have solved most of the problem right there, but I didn't yeah. have the check yet. Guess what showed up three hours after I woke up? Uh, <laughs> the check. The check showed up. <laughs> Uh, when we just allow things to come, they just come. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> it's one of uh, the things that I learned um, that Louise and I actually learned together. One of the first times that we really understood through personal experience, consciously, how law of attraction works, how energy works, how stuff happens. Um, and I've told the story before, I won't tell the whole story now, but it was basically what happened in 2014 when we moved from Virginia back to Connecticut, spending our the last dime out of our savings account, deep in debt. We had no, we, we basically left both of our cars behind because neither one of them could make the trip. We had getting brand new cars here out of a miracle. Um, I mean, all these things just kind of lined up. But we were at the end of our rope at that point. I, I remember vividly thinking, I don't know how to fix this. There are too many problems here that are way beyond my ability to solve. Mm -hmm. And they need to be solved in the next day or two. And they all resolved themselves. All I had to do was wait to see them play out. And it was traumatic. I mean, they, when you live through that, that's just plain traumatic to go mm -hmm. through. That. But I did learn, and Louise learned too, you got to let it just play itself out with as much trust as you can muster. Because if you do, it often will play out to your benefit. It's when you interfere and try to move it in some way that things work out poorly. Mm-hmm. That's tough, but I've been learning it more and more and more. That's what I was doing last night. Despite waking up in a panic, I said, one of the things I journaled, I'm going to just play, this, let this play itself out. I don't know what the solution is here. I'm going to let it play itself out. And then all of a sudden, the other stuff started to pour out of me. Yeah. Great lesson to learn, mm -hmm. for sure. And a tough one. Yes. It's counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah, I it think really we're, taught, we're taught in society that you you need to do these things. You got to be responsible. You got to do the things. You got to do more. You got to anticipate. It's your job to figure this stuff out. Yeah, you're not no, a responsible not. adult if you don't. It's not your job. That's the big lesson of all. It's not your job to figure all this stuff out. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> But we try and control. That's that's actually um, every month I have a live session for the more students. So the people that are in the more course and last night it started off its channeled session. So I bring in oh, my okay. guides and higher selves and stuff like that and then uh, channel whatever we need to hear. Right. As a collective or just as a group or, or whatever. And one of the big things was control and, and this illusion that you have the control and, and the power, you know, you have a lot of control and power and yet you have none at all. It's this weird dance between the two. And one is a lower density vibration of having to like control 
and hold it all and manage it all. And I got to do everything perfectly. And the other one is, um, the, the sense of power and control from sitting in the seat and allowing it to happen. And it's just this dichotomy that they were trying to explain. And the, the basis of all of it was you need to let go. You need to let go. It's time. I remember the first time I heard the phrase let go. And my first reaction was let go of what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to let go of. How can I let go of it if I don't know what I'm letting go of? <laughs> That was my reaction. That's what I thought. Yeah. What are you letting go of? Um, <laughs> and it's a difficult question to, to answer. But from a spiritual perspective, I feel, I I feel like when I broke up with my ex, or my ex, my ex and I were breaking up, um, and it was really traumatic, and it was really hard, and and all of this stuff was happening. I didn't see it coming. I didn't. I, I was totally blindsided. I thought he was amazing and perfect and all of these things. I was not looking for any of the red flags. Mm. And I remember being in this space of like, I can't fix this. I don't know how to fix this. And I was so broken. Mm. Like, I'm not the type of person to cry a whole lot. I grew mm -hmm. up on a farm and I'm like, farm tough. Yeah. I guess. Um, so crying wasn't really a thing that I would do. And I was like, like Tom, Tom, it's like Tom Hanks in the movie. There's no crying in baseball. There's no yeah. crying in farming. That's right. There's no crying in farming. You know, it's toughen up, toughen up though. I don't know that my parents ever said that to me. Um, I, I probably would submit to you that they never have. Cause my dad is very mindful of that when it comes to his son. So I know that he would be very mindful of my brother, um, but he would be very mindful when it came to, to me or my sisters of like allowing us to feel our feelings. But in this particular instance, I was like sequestered to my bed. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I wanted to leave my bedroom so badly and stop crying. And I couldn't, like, I physically could not leave my bed. And I had my wow. parents on speakerphone and I was just crying mm. like that. <gasps> like just like that. And mm -hmm. I get off the phone with them and my dad, my dad's trying to be nice and you know, whatever, right? Like it's okay. Just allow yourself to feel the emotions and whatnot. So we get off the phone and I like crawl onto the floor and wow. I wasn't exactly spiritual at that point. You know, I believed in the universe and I believed in, you know, personal development and believed there's something bigger. Um, but at that point I got on my knees and I was like, God, I don't know what to do. Like, I just can't move through this. I want two things. If you could provide me with uh, peace, a feeling of peace, mm -hmm. and I'd sure. really like to see what I couldn't see looking back wow, on this whole scenario. Request. Yeah. I love and that. It was, and, and I let it go. Like, whether that happened or not, like, I just let go of the where I should be or what I should be doing or what I should be feeling. I just let all of that go. And it was like a surrender of, of everything yeah. on my knees in my bedroom. Just like yeah. I surrender. I just, I need some peace and I really want to see what I couldn't see before, what was, you know, hidden from me before. And it was almost instantaneous. Mm. I felt like, this feeling of tranquility and bliss and peace out of wow. nowhere radiating from my heart space that I had never felt in my entire life. Wow. 
And then like a movie, I started to see these clips of my life with this person. And it would be like running through a scenario. Like, remember when this happened, this is how you thought it happened. And then it would be like, er, er, er. (laughs) show me the the scenario with the filter off. Mm. And I could see the red flags and I could see like, wow, that's not the person for me. Like it's not somebody Mm. I want for my future. It all made sense. Yeah. Um, But I had to surrender first. It was the hardest thing that I ever did. It's and the funny best. how that is. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But by, by the way, um, you, more I know is the name of your course. I presume it's an acronym. What does more stand for? No, it's not an acronym. It's, it's not just an acronym. more. Just more. Uh, you want more in your life. Oh, okay. More abundance, more joy, more love, more money, more everything. Well, it's a cool name. I love it. Yeah. It was it's divinely channeled. When I channeled the the fluid money blueprint and the entire process of how to attract more money into your life, the specifics, I was looking for a name for all of it and more. That's all they said. More. That's cool. I like yeah. it. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you. How nice to get a name that, that sounds cool and it doesn't have to be an acronym. No. Yeah. It, it we could probably make something up though. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, invent yeah. something. M-O-R-E. What does that stand for? But... Yeah. But I kind of like the, the purity of it just being more, mm-hmm. not having to have some special acronym attached to it, which because that's always a little bit forced anyway. It's a little bit staged, yeah. You know, but it when it's just the pure idea of more, that's that, that's pure. It's clear. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's thank really you. Cool. Yeah. I, um. By the way, if somebody wants to find out more about the more course. How do they find out about it? You can go to my website, uh, jodylynncraven.com, and there's a little pop-up there. You can check out the free training, or you can go to the services, and it it talks about more there and gives you the opportunity to check out the free training there, too. Yeah, probably start with the free training and see if you like that before you do anything else, I would think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You get a good taste of what's going on, and, and then it goes into the course and how much it costs and all of that stuff, all your options. And when you go through the free course, you get all the free bonuses when you actually sign up for the course. Yeah. So there's, there's, I think two or three different, um, bonuses that you get when you sign up after you've done the the free free training. training. So, but you wouldn't get it if you didn't do the free training. Yeah, exactly. So you want to do that. You want all the free stuff. Well, it occurs to me. I I know that I've done this. I'll bet you other people do this too. I will often steer away from something free like that. Really? Because, yeah, because there's a piece of my mind that says, well, if it's free, it probably is the really good stuff, mm. which is really just self-defeating more than anything else. Yeah. But what I have since come to realize is that it isn't a question of whether or not it's worth something. What the real question is, is this somebody I want to work with? Yes. That's what the free is there for. It's not to tell you, here's the solution or here's why you should buy the solution. It's to tell you through direct experience, is this somebody who I think can help me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what really counts. Absolutely. Do I feel energetically aligned with this person and what mm-hmm. they're saying? It's yeah. so funny. I bought a course. Um, I didn't even really know what it was on the weekend. And I had that hot, like cold sweat waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> moment. Because I got all of these emails from, you know, their email chain or whatever. Oh, yeah. But in the emails, it was like, you're going to get an email that says blah, blah, blah. And it's going to give you access to the home study course. And then we're doing a live version on such and such date. And, uh, or the date wasn't announced at that point. So I thought, 
oh man, am I getting scammed? Like I kept checking my bank mm. account to make sure they didn't take any more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like worried, woke up in the middle of the night. And I, I actually asked my guides when I was in that like lucid, half dream, half awake kind of state. I just asked for clarification. Like, am I being taken for a ride with this? And, uh, and they were like, no, you're good. Um, but I went and I, I searched this, this lady who is delivering the course and everything. I searched her out and started listening to some of her free content that she ah. had. And, and I was really aligned to her message. Yeah. So uh, that's why I didn't, um, you know, go back through my credit card or whatever and say, do, you know, stop the payment, give me my money back, anything like that. Cause I just felt so called to her energy. And then I eventually messaged her on, on Instagram and she sent me a voicemail, like a voice message back and was like, I'm so sorry. There's a glitch in the system and you know, whatever, just send me your email right now. Like took care of it immediately. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I love what you mentioned there. You mentioned one particular thing that I want to bring out because it reminds me of something that I learned way back when I was working in banking. I made reference to, to that earlier. Uh, I learned a lot working in the banking industry. One of the things that I learned is how credit cards work and how much protection credit cards actually give you yeah. that people don't necessarily realize. We, we live in a society now where a large percentage, I would say the vast majority of business now gets processed online. Yeah. And there's a lot of attention given to how secure websites are and institutions are and all that. And I can tell you as an IT guy, even all that stuff isn't all that secure. What mm -hmm. helps me to sleep at night is knowing, particularly here in the US, how the law is structured in favor of the consumer where credit cards are concerned. Mm -hmm. Because if you are in any way taken advantage of in a way that you can demonstrate factually, you have to be able to show the evidence of it. But if you, ha if you have evidence that you have in some way been scammed or defrauded or misrepresentation was made or something like that, you can go to the credit card company and if you can present that evidence and it's, it's convincing enough evidence, they'll reverse the charge. It doesn't matter what the merchant wants to do. Yeah. They'll reverse the charge anyway and they'll give them what they call a chargeback. It's the best protection we have. Mm -hmm. It's better than any of the rest of it. So yep. actually, I like doing transactions with credit cards. I feel mm -hmm. safe with credit cards. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean that I don't ever do any, you know, due diligence. Of course I do. I do diligence. You know, if I see there's like something scammy about something, I'll stay away from it. Yeah, you know, I'll be the first one. But I sleep at night. I sleep at night because I know that the law requires that the bank has my back. And a lot of countries are like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's, like that's, that's like peace of mind sleep right there. hundred percent. And I don't think a lot of people know that about their credit card. Right. My question, and I don't know the answer to this, is now that they have like Visa debit or MasterCard debit, do the rules still apply? Mostly. There, Mostly. there are some exceptions I know of because you're also interacting with a bank account where you know it's a checking account or a savings account, usually a, usually a checking account. So there are some exceptions built in there. And you have to kind of look at what are the rules regarding a checking account. But for the most part, yeah, the protections are the same. At least That's here in good. the U.S., I imagine the same thing is true in Canada because Canada and the U.S. tend to mirror these kinds of things. Probably true in the U.K., probably Australia, probably New Zealand, um, other countries, especially the English-speaking countries are going to be like that. I imagine most of the European zone has similar kinds of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, most of the time, 
uh, unless you're in a country that, you know, a third world country that has poor banking laws and, and so forth, then you have to be extra careful. But for most people around the world, there's a lot of protection. There's mm -hmm. an awful lot of protection in the way the laws are structured to protect the consumer through the banking system. The bank actually ends up getting, you know, holding the bag, so to speak, when something yeah. goes wrong. And of course, the bank does whatever it can to pass that off to the merchant. So the merchant often gets, you know, left holding the bag. And yeah. in many cases, that's exactly the person who's supposed to be holding the bag in the first place because they're the ones who are doing the scanning. So it, it works yep. out very nicely. But it also works on the opposite side of things. I know um, company owners who have like services, service-based businesses, you know, hairstylists, for example, where he, my friend was telling me that at his shop, people would come in, you know, they've, this has been done several times where they'd buy a bunch of product and, you know, whatever, right? They'd walk mm -hmm. out the door with the product and then they would they'd do it with the charges. Yeah. And, and it would automatically give him a charge back, even though he could prove like they took the product and you said it was so frustrating on that side of things it is and that, that definitely is an issue for a merchant mm -hmm. um what the merchant has to do is kind of similar to what a bank does the merchant has to assume there's going to be a certain degree of loss and yeah. factor that in to how they do their pricing how do they structure their business it, you know they, they often call it the cost of doing business and that is really what the true cost is dealing mm -hmm. with that side of it and plus mm -hmm. there are certain things that a merchant can do in order to mitigate that. Um, many merchants aren't willing to do some of them. A lot mm -hmm. of them have to do with how, uh, what requirements you place in terms of the credit card itself. In other words, is it enough to just have the credit card number and the expiration date? Do you also require the three digit code at the back? Do you have to also know their Ooh. phone number? Do you have to know their address? Because the more information you plug in, the more as the merchant, the more protection you get. Ooh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the merchants, the merchants who are crying about that kind of thing, my first question to them is, what are you requiring in your credit card purchases? Like, yeah. my bet is you're, you're just requiring that they be able to swipe the card and that's it. And if you do that, you have to understand you're setting yourself up for a larger percentage of loss each year. That's just going to be the nature of the business. If you want to yeah. mitigate that, if you want to limit that, you have to, you have to do more of what they're now calling know your customer. Knowing your customer dates back to the pre-internet era. Mm -hmm. And the basic idea was you did business with somebody that you knew. I mean, because that's where, where it all happened. It was all local at that point, right? Yeah. So there was a very good chance that if you were doing business with somebody, you either knew them or they were a friend of a friend or, or something along that line. And if you didn't know them, you would get their local address. You'd write their, their driver's license number on the back of the check because they were paying you with a check at that point. So you, you would do things like that to find out how can I trace this person in case there's a problem? Yes. But in the age of the internet, with people not being able to trace that kind of thing, they've come to just trust, well, the credit card will, will take care of it. And that's where they get burned because they say, well, it's the credit card's going to take, well, no, the credit card alone can't take care of all that. The credit card can do some things, but it can't do all of it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm actually working right now with some software developers on a project that I started last year and abandoned for reasons I won't go into right now. I'm picking it up again. And one of the things that I've, I've been dealing with, with them is I'm wanting, when, when we're, we're gonna be selling a service. When we sell the service, I want to get basic information from the people buying the service, which mm -hmm. you can get if you 
process a credit card. Like I want to process it through Stripe, which is a credit card processing system. And you can get the name, the address. You can ask the customer to supply a phone number or an email address. You can get all this kind of data. And the more of that you can get and verify, the more certain you are, they're the real one. They aren't a scam artist who stole a credit card somewhere. Yeah. So you're going to be a lot less likely to have a chargeback. I want that information. Yeah, no kidding. And, and, and if a customer won't supply it, I don't want the customer. That's right. I don't want to deal with that risk. Why would yeah. I want to put up with that? Especially since these are going to be relatively small purchase amounts. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not talking four or five figure purchases. We're talking two or three figure purchases. You know, so... I, I want to have, the, and, and this is interesting. A lot of people would look at it differently. They'd say, well, if it's a four or five figure purchase, then I want to be more careful about it. And I say, no, I want to be careful in all instances. How yeah. much does it actually take to ask for an email address? How much does it actually take to ask for a street address? It doesn't take a lot. No, you set it up once and then it's done forever. It's it. Yeah. 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 This is not difficult stuff. Yeah. And people say, yeah, well, what about protecting privacy? My answer to that is that is the perfect argument in favor of a scam artist. Con artists want that level of privacy. They demand it. They won't reveal any of that stuff to you. Yeah. I, I, run, I run some Facebook groups in which I allow local businesses to advertise. One of the rules in the group is if you advertise, you have to include either a local phone number or a local street address, or you can't advertise. And I've had people pushing back. Well, that's violating my privacy. And my response is that privacy you're trying to defend, which, by the way, doesn't exist anymore anyway. But that privacy that you're trying to defend is how you are protecting scam artists and con artists, because that's exactly what they want. Well, I yeah. And what's the big deal? Don't you want people to know your address or your phone number? If, if you're, you're a legitimate business? business, you want the transparency. Yeah. You don't want to be hiding. That's how you get referrals. Yeah. Referrals don't just pop up out of thin air. <laughs> they have to actually run through a channel of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so I, I try to encourage people to rethink all that stuff because, mm -hmm. I mean, I totally get the privacy angle. I was a privacy angle advocate for many, many years, but I've also had to come to terms with the fact privacy is pretty much gone now anyway. Let's yeah, be it really is. Mm -hmm. and I, I would like to get it back. Sure. But trying to pretend that if you don't reveal anything about yourself, but you're in business, that you are retaining your privacy. It's just self-delusion. It is. Yeah. Because they have other ways to scrub your data. Absolutely. I mean, what you searched on Google, your Facebook profile, your Instagram, your TikTok, like they're yeah. getting all of that information anyway. They, they have access to it the back door. Like Siri is probably listening to this conversation right now. Hi, Siri. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she did. <laughs> did your phone just turn on? That was my phone. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely command. You can say hello, Siri, and ask it to do something. So uh, yeah. Always asking something. Uh, I was waiting for mine to turn on too. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, I mean, my goodness. There was a, there was a lady. I think this takes it too far in terms of, um, the information that is available to certain companies. Um, and I, I think that there needs to be something done, but there was a, a, an article that I was reading or something that I had read. This is several months ago. She asked for her data back from Amazon mm. and they sent her this huge file of data. And one of the audio clips came from her light bulb. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
Very interesting. I don't know what she said Hmm. on the said light bulb audio clip. I have no idea, but, and, and, It's not that this used to be my response. Well, I'm not doing anything illegal. So what does it matter? The issue lies in the information that they have about you, because the more information they can gain about who you are as a person and the way you think, the more that they can manipulate you into thinking the way that they want you to think or buying this or buying that, you know, it's this mental game that's being played. It is being played. I'll, I'll give you a different perspective on this one. Though. Sure. Because I've, I've thought about this exact question for quite some time. Because we, I think everybody now knows. I was aware of this long before most people knew. But I think everybody now knows that the major companies, the Facebooks and Amazons and Googles and so forth, are, are major data collectors. They're just scooping all this stuff up. And they're using it as a way to identify what you're likely to be interested in, in looking at for an advertiser to advertise on. That's what they're trying to do with it. Um, and you just outlined one of the, uh, the many uh, difficulties that can go along with this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said something really interesting, and I think it's something that most people buy into, and it's what I've learned to let go of. Okay, tell me. Which is the idea that they can manipulate you by showing you all this stuff and trying to get you to buy something that you wouldn't normally want to buy. And you know what? I don't think that's working anymore. Or put it this way. I think it's working less. I agree. And I think it's continuing to work less and less and less. Yes. And the way I know that is through direct experimentation, through Facebook advertising and Google advertising. And I have seen the overall decline over time. One of the things that was a big topic about, oh, God, I'm going to say six or seven years ago, was what they call retargeting or remarketing. So it's basically where you saw something, you interacted with something online, and then all of a sudden you started start seeing ads about it. And then they just kept showing you ads about it over and over and over again. That's the retargeting part. When retargeting first came out, it actually had a very, very good response rate. It dropped precipitously in about a two to three year period. Today, there are, there are companies that still make money off retargeting, but it's very expensive compared to just regular advertising. It actually has very poor results in many, many cases compared to a normal ad campaign. So to me, that's an indication. Yeah, it it worked for a bit until the people that they were targeting caught on to it. And then consciously or subconsciously, they started to change their behavior and it didn't work as well anymore. Yeah. And I see that happening on a broader level. So Mm -hmm. to those who say, well, it's manipulating me, I say, well, why are you letting it? Mm, I'm not talking about whether you're giving out your data. I'm saying, why are you going to decide that if somebody shows you something, you are now motivated in some way to act on it? Mm -hmm. And that you 100% believe. Yeah. You know, you believe everything that you see. I I 100% agree with you. I think that the there has been a consciousness shift. People yeah. are more aware of what they're consuming, you know, visually through the internet and and taking things with a grain of salt. And I think that this, this brush of conscious awareness, if you will, is, is being painted to things that I, for myself, never thought I would ever question, like mm-hmm. the government or mm-hmm. healthcare mm-hmm. or, you know, certain, certain things like that, where I, you know, I would have had this argument with social media and, and then I've 
awakened and started to see things in a completely different light mm -hmm. over the last two years. Yeah, sure. But and I think also what happens is, like I said, we do it both consciously and we do it subconsciously, probably more subconsciously than consciously. Yep. But we learn to adapt away from the thing that we don't like so much. Yeah. Many of us give a lot of attention to it. Some people become, you know, cheerleaders. We got to fight this terrible fight and all this other kind of stuff. But most people learn to just kind of turn away from it. Yeah. And it shows up in the numbers over time. Yeah. More and more marketers are, there, there are a lot of marketers who will still argue, oh, no, no, it's all very effective. But the honest ones say, yeah, I've seen the slide. Yeah, it's not as effective as it used to be. Yeah, it's falling off. Mm -hmm. They're recognizing that. Uh, I, I know in my own experience, I'm now this is perhaps more advanced than what most people do. I've gotten to the point now where anytime I see a question asked, I start to doubt the question. Oh, okay. Because I, I've begun to realize how disconnected questions have become from reality. I'll give mm. you a few examples. Like for instance, um, I am a sort of a passive Miami Dolphins fan. <laughs> more active lately because I like what they've been doing with the team. But for years, it was just like, you know, in the background, you know, occasionally take a look. Oh, that's what Spurs is finding. You know, it, it was not much more <laughs> than that. One of the things that I've noticed lately as I've been paying more attention is the YouTube videos created by the Dolphins, created by certain creators, who, by the way, all have Vietnamese names. I'm not quite sure why that is. But that's another topic entirely. The headlines that they put on these YouTube videos usually have are they're like explosive kind of you know emotionally driven headlines often with a question mark on them and so forth and then you play the video and the video has absolutely nothing at all to do with the headline not even a little bit ah, yep so, so there's an example of it or or just in the regular media you look at an article you mentioned government or you politics or whatever you, you look at any of these articles that are published and you look at the headline and then you start reading the article and if you look really hard, you often can find a link between them. But you have to look because yeah. the headlines are not written anymore to be informative. They are written to push an emotional button to get you to read the article. And it doesn't matter how accurate they are. They yep. can be as inaccurate. That, that's where the whole concept of fake news came from. Yeah. Because the headlines didn't actually match the content of the articles. Yeah. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. So I've actually been learning, training myself especially when I see a question, because questions are powerful, right? What's the first reaction that a human being has when they're asked a question? Well, they try to answer it. Yeah. And, and people who write headlines with questions know this. That's why they write the headlines with questions. So anytime I see a question, I look for certain buzzwords. Like, mm -hmm. this could happen. If I see the word could in a headline, I'm done with the article. Yeah. You're not going to read Because anything could happen. <laughs> you know, I know if they put the word could in the headline, it's all speculation. There isn't a <laughs> single newsworthy item in the entire article. Because if there was, they would have hinted at that with the headline, but they didn't do that. Yeah. So the moment I see could, next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. Some other things that I look for in, in a headline. A headline that tries to scare me. The moment I see fear in a headline is the moment I doubt it. The moment mm. I suspect they probably spun something out of control like they usually do. Yeah. The only time now I'm actually willing to look at a headline is if I don't see any signs of spin. Mm. If I don't see anything that's trying to emotionally twist me up in some way, then yeah. I'm willing to look at the article. But if I see something that's trying to twist me up, 
I don't even care if they had good article, good stuff in the article. I don't want to find out. It's so interesting because uh, my my friend Heather and I we were talking about our YouTube channel and and growing the YouTube channel and and um, a couple of things that a YouTuber guy suggested was it was in terms of titles and he said like the top ten things to do with your titles and number two of the top ten was add a form of negativity. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, I don't really like that. I don't, I don't like scaring people. Nope. Um, but then there was other things like, um, you know, how to implement something extreme. That was one of the things like refute something, um, hop on it, like news jacking trend. And I just thought some of these things are so superficial. <laughs> I, I just can't, I can't get on board with being fake and, and, and trying to sell something that, that isn't there. Well, that's right. They are selling something that isn't there. Yeah. And, and, and the more extreme they are, the more they're trying to push that, that emotional button, especially on the negative side. Yeah. Um, I'll give you another example from Miami Dolphins. They're, they have a quarterback named Tua Tagovailoa. He's a uh, Hawaiian of Samoan heritage. And he's, he's, he's this controversial figure because he got drafted high in the draft. And so ever since he came into the NFL, there's been this big controversy. You know, half the, the world is saying, oh, this guy is way overrated. The other ones, they'll have to say, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, it's been, it's been this crazy thing. So you can actually go to, uh, they, they just, they, they had their first game of the season. They beat the New England Patriots. You can go to YouTube and you can see videos that are titled some variation on Tua is going to rip up the NFL or Tua had the worst performance possible, the most awful performance by a QB. And they're lined up one after the next. Yeah. And, and you look at it, you say, well, they can't both be right. <laughs> and I know now neither one of them is right. Because actually he had sort of a mediocre week. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was, it was okay. It was better than normal for him. <laughs> you know? But it wasn't great. And it wasn't awful. <laughs> they were both wrong. Yeah. It was just marketing. It was marketing. Or how they were trying to market. Yeah. I, I think people are making up I, I didn't watch either one of those videos, by the way. Yeah, I did. Well, actually, I I went to one of them not for the purpose. I didn't watch it. I just left a comment saying, "You realize, of course, this is a stupid headline." Then I left. <laughs> Good for you for leaving a comment. I just like to push the button. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I love it. Well, I mean, we need to feedback. We need to give some feedback so that the system will change. You know, I see you. I see you're lying to me, and I don't like it. So. Stop. <laughs> and actually, really, the best thing we can do is to ignore them. Mm-hmm. That's yep. one of the things. I, I had a number of friends who were uh, anti-Trump and really hated Donald Trump. Yeah. And he's a perfect example of it. I said, if you really don't want Donald Trump to have any control over you, stop paying attention to him. Yeah. Let That's go. the one thing that would absolutely deflate a Donald Trump. Yeah. He thrives on the attention. It doesn't matter how negative it is. The more negative, the better. That just gives him more justification for all the stuff that he says and so forth. The worst thing that can happen to a Donald Trump is for him to be ignored. Yeah. So true. And well, it, anybody, have to, it could be also be a Joe Biden or it could be, it could be anybody. I don't care who the political figure is. Yeah. Any political figure you want, you don't want that person in your life. Stop paying attention to him. Mm-hmm. Set a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. And stick to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watch your life improve. Yeah, exactly. Watch your life improve as you stop paying attention to the things that you no longer want in your life. I was a guest on a podcast today with somebody who was on the show about uh, oh, a month ago. 
really wonderful person named Sandy uh, Scarlatta. And I was on her show, we were talking, and this was kind of one of the things we were talking about, you know, how do you deal with all the news and so forth? And she asked me about it. I said, well, I deal with it by just not looking at it. And she says, yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. Why, why would I want to give my energy to something that I don't want to have in my life? Yeah. Look at the people who do, the people who watch Fox News or the people who watch CNN. People yeah. who watch Fox News, their lives all get, their lives are, it's like they live Fox News. Fox News comes into their lives. It becomes part of their experience. Not just what they're watching on TV. They're daily, they, they encounter people just like these horrible people they see on the news. And the same thing with the people who watch CNN. It's the same thing. Different political thing. perspective, but it's the exact same kind of experience. Yeah. I don't want to have that experience. Why would I want to have that experience? So I don't watch it. Yeah, exactly. I want a good life. Step back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, I try and see the opposite perspective or have, you know, some, like, take a breath and feel into the opposite perspective and see if I'm missing anything. Because we do get so stuck in the way that we see things and then, you know, the algorithm and, you know, everything that we're watching, it all culminates to support those belief systems. So I want to check. Like, I want to check myself and say, you know, am I, am I leaning in the direction that I want to go or is there a different direction that might be better? Or is there something that I can learn from these people? It's not just left and right. That's, I don't have to be so black and white about life. I think that's important. Sandy at the end of her uh, podcast today asked me uh, to define how I would explain the law of attraction to somebody. And I didn't, didn't even have to think twice about it. I said, uh, most people will talk about it in terms of how to attract things that you want into your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. I totally get that. But that's not the way I think about it. I think about it in terms of what kind of life do I want to have day to day, minute by minute. So where am I going to give my predominant attention to? That's why I don't watch Fox News. That's why I don't watch CNN. I don't want to have that kind of life. So mm-hmm. I have to ask myself, what kind of life do I want to have? Yeah. And once I find that, now I know where to give my attention. So it isn't so much about attracting certain things. That, yeah, that's true. You'll get that. That happens along with the way as well. It's what kind of life do I want to experience? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to define it quickly, my life is that, that I want to experience, that I already do experience, includes doing a podcast called LOA Today. Yeah. I love that part. So I give a lot of attention to that. Yeah. And what do I get? I get more of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I I would agree with you. I think that's a big part that people miss with law of attraction. They're just trying to get one thing, you know, I want this thing, whatever it may be. Um, Yeah. The thing. Um, And when you start to open it up to your entire life, what do you want your life to look like in that day by day basis, minute by minute basis? And it's not that you have to be so regimented. It has to look like this, but before I started coaching and and teaching and channeling all of the stuff for abundance consciousness, I would have told you that I was a pretty positive person and that my average feeling was happy and that I was living the life that I wanted until I actually took a hard look in the mirror of what does my life look like? What does my average day look like? And I could see based on the minutia of my life that was, I was going through every single day that I, it wasn't always happy. Not that it needs to always be happy, but more often than not, my average emotion for the entire day was anxiety and overwhelm. I wasn't oh, having wow. fun. Yeah. I wasn't doing the things I wanted to. I was 
locked into what other people said that I should be doing to be successful. And that gave me anxiety and overwhelm because I wasn't doing enough. And it was this vicious cycle. So I needed to look at all of that and ask, what do I really want? What do I want? What do I want to feel when I wake up? What do I want my life to be like? And that is a fluid concept. I noticed last week that I'll get to a point in my day where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm ca- kind of caught up, but I'm not like I have other things on my list because the list never ends. It's just, right. There's always a list, right? But yep. I'm kind of caught up. I'm at a point where nothing is urgent at this moment, but I'll still sit here and be like, I should do something. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> and then I'll like try to do something. I don't feel like it. And I'll try to do something else. And then two hours will drag by and I've had an awful time and I've accomplished nothing instead of just getting up and doing the things that I like to do that bring me joy, that provide me creative juices, that light up my soul, all that. I have a list and I rewrite the list probably every six months because I forget what lights up my soul. What's fun? What do I even like to do? It changes because we're fluid beings. So I'll have, you know, my best friend asked me this morning, she's like, where's your list of things that you love to do? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to rewrite that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll rewrite that. Great. Thank you for the reminder because you forget the things that you love to do throughout your day. Or I do sometimes you get stuck in doing the things that you should or think you should be doing. And that's when law of attraction can really be turned up a notch is in that daily living of those moments in this moment. You can turn up the knob of attraction by being in the moment and getting all of the juiciness out of it. The love, the joy, the bliss, whatever it is that you want to experience experience in that moment. So I love that. That's fabulous. What you just said there. I mean, that, that's a book right there. That's beautiful. That that was absolutely perfect. And, and, what you described is correct. I mean, we do have these outside influences that tell us that. What makes it even worse is when we internalize and we start saying them to ourselves. Yeah, you know, that's right. It's not enough that we were taught this crazy stuff. Now we start voicing the crazy stuff. <laughs> we become right. the authority of the crazy stuff. That's right. It becomes like law in yeah. our minds of it has to be this way and there's no other way that's possible. I, that I love your awareness really when you said, what is it I really want to do? That's not a question we normally ask ourselves, but it's a great question. Right? What do I even like to do? Yeah. I had a friend, I, I was at her house and I was talking about my shift, this huge shift that I had, you know, several years ago and this continuation of growing. And I said that too, you know, I made a list of what do I like to do? And she asked me, so what do you like to do? <laughs> And I was like, well, it depends. Like I, at that time I was really into books, like uh, the top shelf of my bookshelf, which you cannot see is all fun romance novels. I got all sorts in there. I love the Bridgerton books. I like the 50 shades of gray. I have all of the Sookie Stackhouse collection. I wouldn't four or five years ago, I wouldn't have allowed myself to read anything that was not business related, personal development wow. related. I, if I was reading something, I'd read 10 pages a day. I was so strict. I really need to read 10 pages out of a good book or else I'll, you know, sully my mind. And then I started hating reading those types of books. So I yeah. let myself off the hook and I said, no, good for you. I'm going to yeah. read what I want to read. Yeah. yeah. And or I, decide not to. If, that, if you don't want or, to read that day, then you don't read that day. Exactly. That's, you know. Just having that flexibility and uh, giving myself that 
that permission to do so. So sometimes I read, sometimes I paint, you know, sometimes I just go for walks. Sometimes I and watch some, Netflix. Something that's, else that's happened for me you're, you're, as you're describing this, I'm realizing more consciously now than I have been lately about this. I'm finding that very often when I'm reaching for something to do, I'm trying to find something to feel better. Mm -hmm. In other words, reaching outside of me to feel better, which is what we normally tend to do. It's not the best way to feel better, but it's what we often yeah. tend to do. Mm -hmm. it, it's really been very useful to me lately to notice just how often I do that. Yeah. Much more often than I expected or thought that I did. And to recognize consciously, I'm actually just looking. I'm, I, I am now surfing the Internet looking for a Miami Dolphins story because I'm just looking to feel better. You know, it, it, yeah. But when you recognize it, when you say it that clearly, all of a sudden it becomes clear. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just trying to, you know, cover a wound. I'm just trying to feel make something feel better that doesn't feel good right now. Mm -hmm. And when I finally start to recognize that, then all of a sudden new choices become available, new options become available that weren't mm -hmm. available. They were there all along, but I didn't see them. No, you're completely closed off. That's right. That, absolutely. We do that but, to ourselves. But as soon as I start noticing the pattern, all of a sudden, slowly, not immediately, but within a very short period of time, I start to notice new options that yep. didn't seem to exist before. They were there all along, but now I'm finally starting to see them. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like I can kind of see the, the shell of my life cracking a little bit. Yeah. Cracking and opening in ways that it wasn't opening before. Mm -hmm. I find that too, thing. as well with like uh, ways that we've been programmed or programmed ourselves. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. You know, I should, I, I'm exhausted that, mm. you know, I have worked all day. I'm exhausted. Um, checking myself and saying, are you truly exhausted? Yes. I've been doing the exact you, same thing. Yeah. Are you exhausted? Cause you're looking at the next four days are pretty packed, you know, coming into the week. I was like, Oh my God, I've got so much, you know, I've got all of these things. And I noticed this going into the weekend actually. And I made a conscious decision to be in the moment, like to check in, in that moment, instead of like, Oh, this is going to be an exhausting weekend, you know, in the moments check if I'm exhausted, if I'm exhausted, take care of it, take care of myself. If I'm not exhausted, you know, Pass, go, collect $200, keep going, you know, do the Which things that you love. And I got to Sunday night and I was like, wow, I'm not exhausted. Hmm, okay. Probably because I probably wasn't telling myself I'm going to be exhausted. This is going to be so exhausting. I'm going to be yes. so tired. You know, I wasn't seeding that belief and it, it, I was doing it for throughout my week as well, looking at everything that I have going on. So just coming back to this moment right now, how do I feel? Do I feel good? Do I feel exhausted? Do I feel, what do I feel? What is I'm it? sitting here saying, I can't believe that she was saying to herself, I feel exhausted. That's the precise wording of what I've been saying my, to myself by default for weeks now. Yeah. And realizing that a lot of the time I've been saying it, I've been just saying it because I've been saying it. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily feeling it. I just, that was my, you know, for, for that one moment, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. So therefore I'm exhausted, <laughs> which yeah. of course isn't true, but no. that's the way the whole mind process was playing out. Yeah. Was I actually exhausted? Well, Actually, in most cases, I wasn't. <laughs> but I was I was programming myself to believe I was exhausted because my first thing to say was, oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm exhausted. I can't do it. Yeah. Are you exhausted? No. I just didn't want to go and do that. <laughs> okay, then just say that. <laughs> it's funny, the brain, the brain, how it plays tricks on us. 
it's also how, we funny go how it. as we grow over time we become more knowledgeable and aware of it it seems like we're not making progress but actually that is progress Huge recognizing progress. it more and more and more is magnificent progress mm -hmm. we just don't necessarily see the result yet but it's yep. big it's really Huge. big mm -hmm. yeah. well i tell you what I don't remember what our guest name was. Whoever he was, you know, we, we, we don't miss him at all. This has been wonderful. Yeah, this has been great. I love this. So thank you very much, Jody, and looking forward to talking to you again next week. Absolutely. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, Bye. everybody.